Cool. Um, what other careers do you have or do you do Tai Chi full time? So um, I have a couple of, I have a couple of weird stories for you here. Just, just to kind of, uh, it's a perspective that changed over time. Okay. I was in one place and I changed to another. And so at first what was happening was um, my professions would, would kind of shape my martial arts, how I, how I looked at it, sure. right? Um, my background is like in criminal justice and psychology. And so I tend to look at things through those lenses. I did, I tended to look through things through those lenses. Mm -hmm. And uh, I had an experience where um, I, went, I went to do a self-defense seminar. And somewhere because I went somewhere else I was looking for a specific thing I, I had been working with knives knife defense and stuff and there was um there was a way of using the knife that I was struggling finding a good defense against okay and so I was looking I want to see what are other people doing so I went to the school and uh oh okay so 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 I went to the school and uh on the break. So the guy's showing, and I didn't get what I wanted, by the way. He went with just kind of the generic stuff, right? Now self-defense techniques for knives. Yeah. And so, yeah. so on the break, I went up to him and I asked him, I was talking to him a little bit, and I said, Well, out of curiosity, I said, uh, um, what 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 did you do for a living before you did this? Because you know, that will sometimes shape how you look at things, right? And his whole body just slumped. Like his whole body slumped, his voice dropped, like it got higher where, you know, it was soft and kind of high and, and he, he started breaking eye contact and he said, well, I was, I was a janitor, but, but now I'm a martial artist and blah, 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 and, and my master is so-and-so and blah, 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 and, and it was this thing of, I realized that he had some kind of uh, thing he was carrying with him, some sort of like shame. Sure. being a janitor and i did janitorial work in college and i loved it i didn't mind it at all do you know yeah. what i mean miyagi and, was a janitor and one of my teachers um was spent at least some number of years being a janitor so yeah 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 but it, it to me it kind of it made me rethink that the idea of how we're we're stuck looking at it from our own perspective we need to have a bigger perspective and, uh, and if anything, over time, our martial arts should inform our professions, whatever it is. Well, he liked being sort of the ninja janitor, you know, that they didn't know yeah. what to do. Yeah. So, so uh, but, you know, like the philosophy and, you know, strategy and these things that we learn, like Tai Chi would, is very good for this. The idea of being able to use Tai Chi to help us in life. Yeah. You know, versus our life informing our Tai Chi that just seems defective now, even in retrospect, you know what I mean? A little bit yeah. as far as perspective wise. Um, and so, so, you know, that, and then I was watching, have you ever seen the movie 300? Yeah. The Spartans, right? Yeah. Okay. So there's a scene where, where the, uh, the Spartans, the 300 Spartans meet up with some other Greeks and the Greeks are like, yeah, we brought a, you know, we brought th you know, 2000 guys. We're here to fight the Persians. And they're like, uh, you only you only brought 300 soldiers now we you know they're expecting more from the spartans right it's supposed to be supposed to be warriors and the spartan king looks at them with total derision and contempt and he goes 
you. He said, what's your job? And the guy goes, well, I'm a blacksmith. And you, what, what's your job? What's your profession? He goes, well, I'm a merchant. He goes to like four or five guys. And he turns to his Spartan soldiers and says, Spartans, what's your profession? And they all go, hoo, all at the same time. Oh. Yeah. And then he looks and says, you know, it looks like I brought more soldiers. You know? <laughs> and so, so there's a perspective there, a way of looking at things, I guess. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, that's um, right. And so that's that's kind of where that's at. So my I'm just I'm gonna do Tai Chi full time. That's my goal. Um, another thing too is um, there's a there's a thing if you look at um, uh, if you look at like in in the 90s you'd have these fights that would take place between high level uh, point karate guys who had done it for years and they would fight a kickboxer with a couple of years experience and get uh, murdered. Yeah. yeah, they get clocked. And part of the thing that was doing that is that the kickboxer, if he doesn't do well, he doesn't eat. That changes everything. If you have to survive, if you're good enough to survive, you're going to get very skilled very quickly. Yep. Well, point fighters have a tendency to do the thing where they make, make contact and stop. Yeah. And the kickboxer is hit, 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 hit until somebody's either dragging you off or until the bell, you know, something, something very noticeably is different or they're down and out, whatever it is, not, not you tag them once and then you stop. And it makes a big difference in what happens, how the person thinks about it and what they're practiced at. Mm -hmm. So all that. The, uh, it's, there's a, if you look at the tapping versus the hitting, and you look at like like traditional training versus like like the kickboxing training. It's uh, hobbyist versus, you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, perfection. So cool. Do you have any notable? Uh, well, we're going to talk about teaching accomplishments. So first, who have you taught in the past, primarily? So uh, you know, I've taught uh, men, women, children. Uh, I've had some law enforcement that have come in and taken training. Mm -hmm. um, no, nobody famous of note. Just, just everyday people. You know what yep. I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Um, where and then where? What places have you taught? Uh, I've taught in my hometown of Lake Odessa, and then there's another town, Portland. Mm -hmm. It's about 12 miles away, and then Hastings is 30 miles south of me, and then I've taught in Lansing which is okay. the capital. It's, it's about 35 miles away. Cool. Detroit's not the capital of Michigan? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and then a lot of times we'll ask if you have a specific student success or two, and this is like stories of something that a student after having the training where it really either protected them or helped them to avoid something or those kinds of things. You know, if it's if it's self-defense skills. Okay. Which is what uh, I'm uh, gathering you're mostly teaching was self-defense skills. Yeah. Um, so um or health uh, is, you know health-based arts, but yeah. I'll, I'll get I'll give you I'll give you two. Um one was a corrections officer. Um they had a riot in the yard in in the he's a he was in a level four prison. That's that's the bad one just below supermax 
Okay. So they're not locked up 23 hours a day, but they probably should be. Yeah. <laughs> so, so they had a riot in the yard. And, and so some of the guards are kind of standing like, like this, like they just, they just keep moving like one step to the right, one step to the left and don't go anywhere. Cause they're just overwhelmed by what's going on. Right. Crazy and then stuff. there was another guard who started to run and he slipped and fell down. And then there was another, there was another guard that kind of must've ran for help. And then my student mm -hmm. runs up and hits him with a Shotokan reverse punch, you know, where they do the blam uh, hits the guy in the chest and blew him six feet away. Okay. <laughs> and, everything, and then everything Pretty started to settle down after that. <laughs> like that, that like all of a sudden everybody stops to watch him. All yep. the fright stop, you know, and, so he he was super he was super pleased. The the other guards thought he was he was he was Rocky. He was the man. Uh -huh. Yeah. So and then um, recently I had a student. Uh, um. I don't, let's see. So a student told me that another student who was with me for about six months called them. They they he wanted this this guy this student. That was with me for six months he called mm -hmm. up one of the other students and said hey can you let mark know that the stuff he taught saved my life and so what happened was he had become a trucker must be i didn't know this he had actually left the state i didn't know what had happened to him mm -hmm. i guess he became a truck driver and he was at a truck stop and someone came up and was going to rob him with a gun and uh he did the thing i told him to do and uh and he was able to get the gun away from the guy and it saved his life basically. Okay. So, cool. yeah. Yeah. Um, so what I've got here is what caused you to start studying from me? Ah, so I talked a little bit about it. Um, you know, my book here with my notes, you know, just uh, a lot of it was, uh, being able to, uh, you were able to demonstrate uh, and make Tai Chi. Tai Chi was effective when you used it. That was basically we were cut to the through it to that. That's that's it. And so the Tai Chi. Um, um, oh, another thing is. Uh, okay, so something back, back oh, in 1989, 1990, when I was reading up on martial arts before I really got in super heavy, I was kind of trying to get background on it. Something that jumped out at me was that in the past, you would fix yourself first, and then you would learn the other things, like how to do moves and stuff. So you might stand, like there may be different ways of standing, post-standing or four-stance yep. standing or some kind of thing like that, that you might do for a significant length of time. Um before you actually got into the things. Another thing that I read was that high level martial arts, you learn, you are learning how to repair or heal what is you've done to the other guy. Sure. And so I was just very disappointed that I never found anything like that in all my years of training. Nobody was repairing, knew how to fix what they were doing. And, and the training was always, uh, like somewhat rushed 
So, so you're, you know, like, okay, if you look at belt systems, a lot of times you're learning 50 million things per belt. Sure. Eight stances and eight punches and four kicks. And, you know, it's, it's, uh, and, and every three months you're getting a belt depending on the school, right? How that works. Oh yeah. And so with Tai Chi, a lot of our time is spent on structure, standing properly, and then carrying that through to stepping, to 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 doing a doing a move. But yeah. you have to be doing those things. You're do, always working on that thing. That's the thing: is the structure and uh, yeah. relaxation, the breathing, right? Mm-hmm. And then and then you're doing form with it. But you're 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 always doing that base thing, and then and then. Uh, the repair element. We can heal the things that we do. We can yeah. fix or repair the things. And mm-hmm. and also too, this gets back to uh, uh, I'm, uh, Sun Tzu's The Art of War. There's a passage in there where it talks about you make yourself unbeatable and then you basically capitalize on your opponent's weakness. That's how you win every time. Weaknesses and mistakes, yep. Yeah. And so, uh, so you fix your flaws and defects and then wait for their flaw or defect and then capitalize on it, basically. And yep. so that is really hooked into Tai Chi. It is. And, and I could recognize the, that the way they talked, it should be there, but I hadn't seen that until I, until I was doing this with you. Cool. Okay. Yep. Excellent. And then do you remember what you saw me do? It says something here about on resisting partners effortlessly demonstrated on oh. resisting partners. Effortlessly. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, hold on. Let me see here, man. Uh, uh, oh, you could unbalance a pushing person effortlessly. So you were calling people up and, and I was probably the least, ex- one of the, le- I was probably the least experienced person in the room. It was a lot, of, a lot of people in the room. It was a Tai Chi thing. I recognized some of the people there from the Push Hands meetup I'd been to the, the week before. And so these are people who had had experience, lots of experience. 20 years, 10, 15, 20, 25 years experience. I saw a bunch of people who had who had been doing this for a while. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and you'd call somebody up and they would try to push you and they couldn't move you and then you could effortlessly move them. And I could see that, that they're, they were like at a loss, like they they were sitting there at a loss as to how that was happening. Yeah. You could see the body language that they weren't sure how that was going on. Okay. Um, let's see. You were able to affect a person at a distance without touching them. And so what you did was you had somebody get into a fighting stance and you were able to pull their hands down without touching them. And so what happened was there's there's a very high BS factor to that. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like uh, you know what I mean? Like you watch people and and yeah. so you know, so what I did was when you walked around, you'd moved on to another thing you were teaching us. I called you over and I said, hey, can you do that thing with me? Can you if I put my hands up, can you kind of pull my hands down? And so and and I wasn't like actively fighting you. I just kind of held them up and then I paid attention. I was trying to see what and I could sense what was going on and I could feel you. I could feel the, the pulling action and it pulled my hands down. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I could actually feel the, 
the effect. Yeah. No, yeah. Um, let's see. Oh, uh, you demonstrated using any part of your body to hit the opponent through where they were touching you. Yeah. So, so right, they would go to put their hand on you, and you could bump them off from anywhere on your body, like. Yep. Um, you demonstrated iron body skill in offense and defense. Oh, and cotton, yeah. Yeah. Yep. The arm. The arm. Let's see. Um, Usually, all demonstrated, but it's head to toe. Not oh. that I want to be hitting the head. You know, another thing that uh don't recommend that <laughs> go ahead out was um i had been i'd been researching for years uh being able to do martial arts full-time i was able to i had been putting time in researching on the internet trying to find this kind of stuff mm -hmm. and i had been watching your videos uh i just keep coming back to them like i check out other people's stuff and then i come back to your videos and kind of look at you because there was something going on, but I couldn't see, like, I could sense there was something there, but I couldn't see it. Mm -hmm. But so, so there was a video you put on there where you'd broken your back in four places. And uh, that was only like a year or a year and a half. Yeah, that happened five and a half years ago. Okay, so like a year and a half before I, you were at that seminar. And so I was watching you with that in mind. Uh -huh. I wanted to see, you know, after you broke your back in four places, how, you know, like, where are you at, right? And, yeah, and that was a sudden accident, if you hadn't heard before. Well, sudden stopping accident at 45 miles an hour, give or take. Yeah. So, so that, that to me, that was something I was curious about, was I was curious to see if I would see something in you. Like, I didn't know what I would be seeing when I got there. Yeah. And so we were able to do all this cool stuff. You move very well, and and at the time I think you you have a thing you do where you'll kind of like do this thing, like you'll I, I, at the time you were moving a little bit, and I think you were you're probably getting tension backing up and then releasing it, yeah, in those spots is what it looked like to me. But oh. you were able to handle everything in the room and demonstrate all the stuff, even while recovering from that. Yeah, I would say that's still a recovery period. Like it takes time to fully get your. It does. I'll tell you what happens with that is that the bones that got cracked because it was compression from the sudden stop in the inertia through your body. So it cracked for the, of the bones, like the, um, the pieces that are out on the side and it's cracked, hairline cracked them, that kind of thing. One of them almost more than like started to do a little bit and crushed them a little bit, this kind of thing. And so that, that part actually, as long as there's not too much crushing, uh, which I don't have, um, that part heals up kind of fast. Three, three months most you're in your, and actually becomes stronger than before. So the problems you have that are long-term residual problems to that, to the way I had it anyways, is not the bone. It's all of the tendons and the ligaments and the muscles that are all that support tissue. While you're healing, you have to go through several months of essentially not using them to amount to anything. And you've got, and like I was in this brace for months, that is compensating for that and helping it so that you're not hurting yourself by using that. The problem is when you take the brace off, all of those muscles and tendons and things are completely, they're really, they've really taken a, a, 
they're they're atrophied. They are much less than they were before, and you've got to build that up. And ghouls take time, like a long time. Long. So yeah. And so I I worked on methods for doing that. And that what you're talking about, seeing me do the thing where I kind of drew in and then did release, is part of that process. But there's more to it. But yeah. So cool. Um. All right. So we're going to get into some of your favorite things. What is your favorite thing to teach and why? Actually, no. First, it's what is your favorite thing to study or learn and why? We'll get to um, your favorite thing to study or learn and why. Uh, my, my favorite thing, I guess, is just, just those basic skills, working the different Tai Chi internal skills. And it's because okay. you can apply them to anything, depending on what it is. They're real flexible as far as application in your everyday daily life. Mm -hmm. And then also, um, what's interesting to me is as you get, what you do is if you, it's, it's when you, okay, so when you work on them, um, you work, if you work on them one by one individually, then what you do is you go, well, I wonder what happens if I take this one and combine it with this and what happens. That to me is fascinating. And I, I don't completely get, like you get a, a, like a myriad of different effects. Mm -hmm. And so I, I don't, I'm, I need, I need 10 more years to thresh that out. There's probably a formula of some sort, but, <laughs> but, uh, uh, if you had a bunch of different chemicals sitting on a table and you put any two of them together, it's going to create something different than you had to begin with. If you put three of them together, any different three of them, that's each going to have its own effects too. So uh, there certainly are formulas you could make, right? And for specific yeah. things and purposes and reasons and all of that. But um, in terms of like just a formula for that whole process, it's, what mixes together well and how does it mix and what does it do is, and then that's it. And there's, there's obviously a good bit of knowledge about that coming from instructors that I've learned from, from things I figured out by experimenting on my own, from things you figured out by your experimentation, but it'll be that. It'll be those things, either something where that's, it's been passed down and it's known like this is two things to mix or two or three things or four things or five things to mix. Here's why. Or, oh, I mixed these things and it's doing this cool stuff. Or you've gone and played with it and you went, and you figure it out, whatever it is. And there's a lot of different, there's a ton of variability to that. Um, just because there's 36 different primary kinds of expression there and not all of them mix well together, but a bunch of them mix very well with a bunch of the others. So most, most of them mix well with most of the others. And almost nothing... Almost everything has something it doesn't mix well with, or that, or that the effects from it are not desirable. Yeah. Okay. Um, cool. What is your favorite thing to teach and why? Um, you know, I, uh, I like to, um, 
Uh, I like to integrate the form, skills, push hands, application, and fighting. Um, what I've noticed is, and this is with any martial art I've ever done, um, there's a tendency for people to, uh, like, let's say we're let's say we're standing, and we're doing a root drop, right? For example, and uh, and we're fine with that. But then when we go to do like the clear style push hands, mm -hmm. maybe we can't carry that skill over Ooh. into a different circumstance. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Or maybe we can do it. Maybe we're really good at doing it with clears internal push hands. But then as soon as someone goes to throw a punch at us, it's gone. We can't, we can't carry the skill over. Okay. And so I, I like to take a skill and do it through every step of the thing where they're, you know yep. what I mean? And so it's, uh, it's a little more time consuming, but it seems like that is a good way to be able to be adaptable. For me, that is the way to make it adaptable and to make it so that it really is the skill and develops the skill that it's supposed to be in the way that it actually is gonna be usable in a wide variety of circumstances in the way that it's meant to be um, like that. And if somebody only did it and they applied it in that one situation and can't apply it the rest of the time, they don't understand yet. They don't, they don't have the art yet. So yeah, cool. Um, I, uh, I was going to say as, as a side note, an interesting little thing is, uh, I noticed that when people do clears internal push hands, 90% of the time, you know how we kind of have that dance kind of posture, right? Where, you know, it's one hands on maybe the elbow and one hands, maybe on the side of the yeah. body, kind of like generic places. People almost always go, Sure. they will almost always put the right hand on the ribs and the left hand on the arm, almost always, nine out of 10 times. If I go and do a push hands and somebody's maybe just a little better than me and then halfway through I switch, they are significantly at a deficit because they never practice on that side. I practice 50-50. Yep. And so I'm, I'm not progressing as fast on the dominant side, but I'm almost as good on the bad side so that yeah. in a real life situation it should be easier to to use it yeah you don't get to determine how they put hands on you or came at you you're going to have to deal with whatever they brought and you want to be able to do that in a wide variety of ways yeah so whatever it is so yeah absolutely cool and that's for any of you out there that are making that mistake he's talking about i think you know what you need to do <laughs> and we do teach it um, but I'm not there with you most of the time to crack the whip and enforce it. So, so what you need to do is play with Mark a little bit. If you switch his sides and you're having troubles, you have work to do. That's if you're as skilled or more skilled than he is. If you're less skilled, it won't work out for you either way. You'll learn something, which is what it's about. You All know, right. with, with that thing, with the, the push hands, right? One side versus yeah. the other. Yeah. Um, at first, I was only doing the dominant side, just just because out of habit, right? Because uh -huh. that's how everybody kind of does it. I switched to the other side, and even the mobility of your ribs is less. If you don't work it equally on both sides, you have less rib mobility to be able to 
to neutralize their 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 uh, push. Yeah, well, so, it's, so it's an imbalance too, and then that goes to the health. And that means it goes to the health as well. So so it could be for long term for your own health and well being. Ideally, you wouldn't be doing you know you wouldn't be making that mistake. So both sides and, and more. Yeah. Cool, man. The, uh, what is your favorite thing to practice and why? Uh, you know, it depends on my mood and what I need that day. And then part of it is too, if I'm working on something for, you know, if I need to test, well, then that'll kind of, kind of be the thing that I do. But that really feels unnatural to me. When I'm having to study material to prepare for a thing, feels unnatural to me. Um, a lot of it actually is mental. Uh, I find that I can get not as great, but but I can get some benefit out of just thinking about the thing. The internal yeah. skills that I think about them, I can get a lot of my progress through that. Yeah, you're saying you put in a bunch of practice time, and so now you're getting ready for a test, so you just play it over and over, and it's not something that you don't know how to do. It's something you know how to do, but it's actually helping you that you're mentally doing it. Kind of like somebody that shoots – if somebody doesn't know how to shoot a basketball, they can mentally do it all they want. They're not going to hit the target still. If you're really decent at shooting a basketball, what they say is that doing the mental practice in your head of really doing that and doing it enough and it'll keep your skills either up to speed, you might actually improve, or it'll keep it very, very close to where you were at with that skill. And so that's what you're saying, you know, if I understand you correct. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's uh it feels like it's even more effective because a lot of the skills are mental. So so as if I'm thinking about the thing properly and I'm really into it, I'm like really thinking about it, I'll start to get the sensation of what yep. I'm working on yep. while I'm thinking of the form or whatever, you know? That's right. That's what you want. Mm -hmm. Cool. Uh, do you have a dedicated clear internal push hands class? So, so um, originally I was teaching the basic skills and the push hands as two separate things. Mm -hmm. But uh, what I've been doing is with my, because these guys are assistants now, I'm mm -hmm. working towards the other. Uh, it's we're we're doing it all in one class, so that I can I can be working on the skill, to the basic skills and the push hands. So it's it's integrated, mm -hmm. all in one instead of just a simple, instead of just one thing. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah, but so I'm, dedicated, I'm time, only, dedicated time every class is what I'm hearing you say. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. And uh, the um, and uh, sh shortly I'm going to be starting back up the uh, the uh, the push hands meetups, and that'll give an extra boost then of just just the push hands. So yeah, yep. Cool. Anybody any other questions or anything? I know I've been going on, we're going on and on here. Um, Fogong Chi Kung healing work. Do you have any other healing modalities, either massage or Reiki or any of that kind of stuff? Or just, is it just the Qigong healing work in the Qigong? Just, just the Qigong in the, the Fogong through you. Uh, yep, yeah, it's all good. What are the top 
three most memorable Tai Chi moments in your life, seen, felt, done, experienced. And you, and you've got a few here, so that's fine. Um, okay. So, uh, <laughs> I was in, I think it was a push hands class. I think, um, one of the beginning ones. Um, I can't remember the name, the guy's name, but you, uh, you asked for a volunteer. You're going to demonstrate the iron needle. And so you walked up to him, he's standing there and you poked at him, but you didn't touch him. And he doubled over in pain. And uh, then you used Fa Gong to repair what you had done to pull the pull out whatever was going on in there yeah and you had him describe what it was that he was experiencing and and it was like a stabbing pain in like his lower abdomen like in like deep inside right mm -hmm. and uh he kind of lost the color in his face when when you did it to him when i did the fix or the when i did the technique when you did the iron needle yeah like the color went a little bit out of his face yeah and later on I took him aside, maybe at a meal, maybe at lunch. I was like, hey, I said, out of curiosity, I said, so how was that? Was it really that bad? And his eyes got real big and it was like he was reliving it. <laughs> and he said it was, it was, it was really not cool. <laughs> it was uncomfortable. You know what I mean? It was, it was legit. What you were doing was legit. It was an actual thing. So um, you, um, I had you demonstrate, you did something where you, uh, you, oh, you put your, you put your fingers lightly on my forearms and you, all of a sudden there was an intense feeling. Somebody had grabbed my intestines and squeezed them uh, and I couldn't, and I couldn't move. Yeah. I couldn't get my balance to move. I was kind of stuck in place and it wasn't painful, but it was, it was uncomfortable where, you know, it was, it could have been painful. I could tell you know, that, yeah, um, and I was helpless at the time. There was a helpless component where I, I was stuck. Um, let's see. Oh, uh, you know the, uh, you know I had gotten struck by lightning uh, about three years ago. Yeah, and that's uh, one of the things I was wanting you to talk about. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, and uh, and so over the course of the time, um, yeah. Some of the work I did on myself just every day trying to work on it, but mm -hmm. it, um, it was kind of, there was stuff that was kind of stuck. I wasn't getting better. And, uh, oh, you know, one thing I wanted to talk about with the lightning, cause this is, uh, um, I was having a lot of trouble with, uh, memory, which I'm still not perfect. I still have issues, but, yeah. uh, but, um, I had like a brain fog where I, it was like, I would try to think of something and I would get lost on the way there, almost like in a, in a fog. Yep. And I mentioned it to you. Uh, um, I think I was at your house and I mentioned to you, it to you and you did the fogung on me. And all of a sudden the fog kind of just cleared. Like even the room, what was interesting, the room got brighter. So it was like, even, even my ability to, to like see the light in the room was dimmer and I didn't realize it. Mm-hmm. And so then yeah, over time, a neurological hit, you're taking a neurological hit. You know, yeah. Yeah. And then, uh, and then over time, uh, you worked on me, I think a couple of, over a couple of years, you worked on me and, uh, but you, and I think your daughter, Early. The, it, you, you were able to, you could see where it went in 
And actually where you saw it, there was actually a tendon, a tight tendon that I had been feeling that ran from, from under my chin, down my neck, behind my clavicle, into my chest, down into the center of my body. And so you, as you were pulling it out, you were, you were feeling that and removing it. And I could feel, feel it when you were in there removing Moving it. Moving the tension from it, the, yeah. the locked up but aspect. Yeah. I, I even felt, uh, when you were removing it, I felt a burning sensation from it. Yep. Lightning's hot, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, there was the one where um, we were outside at dinner, after dinner, and you you did a very quick movement and maybe an exhalation and you gestured at me like almost like you were throwing a strike. Okay. There was a, like a flurry of movements. Then you did like where you threw a strike from a distance and I felt it in the pit of my stomach. It was, uh, it was emotion based is what it was. Okay. Um, maybe like a sense of anxiety or fear a little bit. Okay. I can't remember now at the time, but it, it created an emotional response. Body wise. Yeah. 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 Cool. Okay. I've got uh, something about making Jim sick with sound. Do you remember that or no? no. Most of these, <laughs> I, 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 I know, you know, obviously what kinds of things I can do, but in terms of specifics, there's a couple of these I remember specifics, but a lot of them, I don't even remember doing it. You, you were talking. Oh, I, about I mean, I don't remember that specific time. Yeah. You know, that, uh, you you did um we were in the back room of the jamaican barbecue place and you were talking about sound with someone else i think i can't remember who it was and then you that's jamaican barbecue place you're talking about here in maryville so that's here yeah. in maryville and that and it's surprisingly good considering we're in like podunk tennessee for a jamaican place to be here that's got that quality anyways go ahead i love that place by the way that food is great um, but yes, yeah, so I can't get Carly to eat there most of the time, so we don't get to eat yeah. there much. But yeah, but yeah, so so we're in the back room, that back back banquet area there, and uh, you were talking about the sound element for healing and, and injuring type of thing mm -hmm. with somebody. I don't remember who it was, and then you you made a noise at Jim, and it's starting to come back to me now, just because it started to get. And he might remember better than me because you did it to him. <laughs> but it seems like he got a little bit, uh, he didn't feel so hot. Like he could tell he just wasn't feeling so good. And then you had to, you had to do something to, to undo it or fix it. Sure. But you could see he was starting to get a look on his face, like maybe a little peaking. And he said, hey, I'm not feeling so hot. It was just that horseradish barbecue. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. All right. Uh, I, I, I'm sorry. Was that was that the time he stopped my heart in the Jamaican barbecue place? That was. <laughs> that was the extra, extra, extra hot sauce. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was that was an interesting feeling. Yeah. <laughs> what is your two to five year goal regarding Tai Chi? 
Um, probably my number one thing is I want to keep, I, I love learning and, uh, and I, and I want to, I want to be able to, to age. Well, I want to get quality time yep. all the way up until I die in my sleep at 99 or something. Right. That's but, it. but well, I, I don't please sit down and meditate and have your spirit leave your body while you're, I saw a video of a master that was like 118 in Indonesia and he literally gets the family together and he goes and hugs and kisses them all goodbye and they have a little party thing. And then the, the party is like ending with they're still there. And he walks outside and says, okay, I'm going to go now. And I love you all. And we love you. And he sits down in a meditative position and then could count to about three and he's once over. That's he perfect. Out, out, and it was just like, okay, that's impressive. Got to make sure I understand how to do that. Yeah. That's that's perfect. I want to know how to do that. I want to be able to go and live well. I don't know how to do that one yet. I'm, I'm, I'm keeping my eyes open for teaching. Yeah. Yeah. And then go, okay. Problem is, most of the time, it's like, oh, we can do that. Oh, crap. Pretty <laughs> 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 <Already> gone. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, uh, but yeah, I, I just want to uh, kind of slowly build a quality school where I can uh, help other people get the same kind of same kind of uh, benefit. Yeah. Um, and uh, just, just uh, ideally a place where people can get together, have a good time, you know, um, kind of, uh, oh, like where people look forward to coming. So. Yeah. Yes. Cool. Um, yeah. So the last couple of questions I've got here, and then again, I'm gonna open it up to the group here is, is clear Tai Chi and you, what about clear Tai Chi is most appealing to you? Why is this the path for you to achieve your goals? I know I've kind of put two questions sort of together so that, you, so that I'm trying to make it so it's a little more that you can talk about it. But yeah. Uh, well, I've, I've always had this sense that uh, Obviously, there are more specific things where maybe you need a specific strategy for a specific thing. But overall, I believe that uh, if you're on the right track, you can have a general philosophy or, or, or an integrated general philosophy where your way of life, your way of doing things don't co conflict. Mm -hmm. And so what happens is it, it's just the best way of dealing with life. And so uh, most of the things that I've, I've done, there's some sort of contradiction to what it is, or, or it's not, it's not like it's go great in one area, not so great in another area. Right. Um, an example would be, for example, like health and longevity is a big one for me right now. Because yeah. that's the key to everything else. And I don't have those. I'm not going to get the other stuff. If you lose that battle, then you don't have to worry so much about the other battles because they're not good. It can't happen because you're, yeah. 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 So um, when I was doing uh, Taekwondo, Tangsudo, these styles where there's a lot of kicking, um, I had like a flash where I, I, I started looking at the people who had done these things in the 60s. I would seek out information oh, uh, on them 
And all of them without fail, and I started checking with local people, and it was just starting to happen to people who were getting into that age group, like the 40s, 50s, right in there. Yeah. Single or double hip replacement. Yeah. So you're saying you did this in like the 1990s. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And so you could, if you looked, they don't talk about it because a lot of those guys have, uh, you know, have a uh, vested interest. You know what I mean? Yeah. And talking about the greatness of what they do. But when you when you slide into it and look deeper, double single or double hip replacement, maybe a knee issue yep. um, from that snapping. Right. Yeah. Snapping the foot. Yeah. And uh, and so I realized, ooh, kicking above the waist is maybe not a great idea to do a whole lot. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. There's ways to kick higher, but um, you have to. There's some very what's the word I'm looking for. There's some specific do's and don'ts, and what I've seen fairly consistently is that even if they're taught correctly, if it's not emphasized like a lot, that people will tend to do it badly, and then mm -hmm. that's gonna you're gonna pay a price for that at some point, and it won't take. It doesn't take. Doesn't take 20 years to get there. Yeah. Um, you look at uh, judo and jujitsu, um, they will have spine issues a lot of times. Okay. And uh, you think the jujitsu for the judo, do you think it's the, the they're all the twisting to throw or it's the all the smacking the floor because they got thrown or both? Uh, so for judo, it's, it's, because they're one-sided so most uh, judo they grab the lapel and they grab the sleeve and you're so another reason to do both sides because yeah. yep. it'll mess up your you're saying eventually it'll get your spine some if you don't yeah and so that yeah. i think some of my lower back issues some of them are related to that mm. and so i started when i did when i was teaching we would do both sides but yeah. it was kind of too late it was already grown into a certain position kind of. So I, I'm stiff yeah. on one side, stiffer on one side. Yeah. But, uh, and with Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, they're doing a lot of cranking on the neck and twisting the spine and on the ground. And yeah. and uh, so a lot of them are having neck issues or back trouble in the center, like in the upper spine. And uh, I know of more than one person who've had to have surgery. And uh, yeah. so... So those, uh, and obviously they're really good in a certain range, certain distance or certain maybe venue, but, but you look at the overall strategy, health and longevity, not looking so great. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And so, so, and, and then also too, there's a philosophy of life. I want, I, I, if everything integrates properly, there's a consistency and that carries over to everything and it, and it makes it more powerful. Yep. Um, and then uh, let's see, why is the path? Why is this the path? It's because of the, um, um, because of the consistency and the ability to apply Tai Chi in multiple different aspects. And, and really when you, when you look, there's, um, there's really a, a body of uh, stuff like, um, like you've got the Tao Te Ching, right? You've got the, um, they call it the Sun Tzu's the Art of War. There's some other ones like that, but the idea is that this really could be applied. It's like it could be applied all the way down to one thing or all the way out to a large thing. Mm -hmm. And so, um, and, and also too, there's a morality 
um, a natural morality to Tai Chi in that a lot of times they, if something bad happens to the bad guy, they did it to themselves. There's, there's something a little bit uh, better to that. A little feels, feel, I feel more comfortable with that. Oh, than yeah. Having to do violence to someone. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. Anybody else in, uh, hear any questions, anything you wanted to ask him or curious or obviously he's got a set of life experiences and fighting experiences and martial arts experiences and, and all that and comes with a unique perspective. Um, anything you want to ask him about regarding any of that? No real questions, but Mark, great stories. Really, really uh, interesting and, uh, and great working with you whenever we're in person. So, um, but, you know, just yay, way to go. <laughs> says, Jim Thank says you. he likes that, a morality to Tai Chi. <laughs> and jokes. Go ahead. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that is, uh, that's a great saying. It really is. Jared, you were going to ask something? Yeah, um, so I was wondering when you did like kind of uh, some of those tournaments where it was kind of a uh, you could kind of use whatever you wanted to use, or it wasn't like everything's allowed. It's the I've been to the to the I went and did all the push hands categories where they do the national swajile championships and the and the leitai. and so there are rules. It's just that there's a lot more variability than you usually see. It's not quite UFC level stuff, but it's probably only one or like one on a scale of zero to 10 is UFC and zero or one is, uh, you know, something where you're just like kicking or only in some really specific spots. It's about an eight or a nine as opposed to a 10. Does that sound about right, Mark? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Um, the probably with the late tie, uh, the thing would be the platform because if someone's not used to that, they and they're not paying attention to where they are, I was able to trick some people into stepping off. Yep. I had that happen once uh, where I was really focused in on feeling the guy so much that he did that on one of the matches I was in and he didn't get to do it again. And then I backed him all the way up to the edge and he had he had had a lot more experience at it. And so he like literally lost the point by jumping away from me so that he couldn't go off the platform because I had maneuvered him to the edge. And just as we were about to get there, he just literally broke full contact and jumped away. So he lost a couple points on it, but not the amount of points he'd lost if he'd gone off. And so, yeah. Anyway, sorry, go ahead. So, so my question is in, in any kind of the encounters or events that you went to, where say like ground fighting would have been allowed but it wasn't the focus how often did people would you find people actually doing ground fighting okay so were so they allowed to drop on the ground and grapple or was it just that you could throw um so here. so in the in the chinese styles of that stuff they do not go to the ground generally speaking um and there's a reason behind that the idea is if you go to the ground this is really based kind of on battlefield stuff. So if you go to the ground, you die. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Cause, cause, uh, cause like buddy that's standing there gets you. Yeah. Buddy comes over or, or like generally speaking, if, if you get knocked down, 
Uh, if you ever watch like a street fight, they don't grapple with you. They knock you down and they kick you until you stop oh, moving. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Or they hit you with a pipe or something, you know? So um, normally, so in, in those tournaments though, the Filipino stuff, they had the, the actual fighting on the ground, the grappling, the joint lock and strangles and stuff. And so oh, okay. what I found was that. Now that Filipino, those Filipino fights, it's pretty much everything. It's like UFC yeah. was fixed. It was, it was more it's real a, than the, more than intense. the yeah. yeah, it was more real than the, than it's the, the time it was, it was pretty crazy. It was mayhemy. Yeah. And, uh, but yeah, so, so most, okay. So if someone had no experience on the ground, it did, it, they didn't go, they didn't go, it didn't go to the ground very much. Um, but if someone had experience, it almost always went to the ground. Yeah. And so what I did is I used the, the, the grappling experience to take them down and then I would stab them to death or hit them with the stick, like the, you know, the, the butt of the weapon. By the way, it doesn't mean you actually killed people stabbing them no, to death. It's not on that level of it. It's no, just no. that he's tagging them again and again with the training yeah. knife that they're using in there, which still hurts like the Dickens because it's metal, mm -hmm. right? It was uh, um, like, a, like a hard plastic type hard thing. Hard plastic, okay. Yeah. But enough to where they know that's happening. It's just that it's, they're oh, yeah. not actually getting stabbed, but they'll have, they'll have nice bruises wherever they got tagged at, guaranteed. Yeah, um, but that, the big thing is I would just, uh, like I would pin them, pin their weapon, hit them with something they'd never seen before. It's the thing you've never seen before that you're most vulnerable to. Yeah. So I would just kind of assess them. I could tell, you know, if I watched them go before me, I could tell that they would maybe have a weakness in the area. And that is what I would do. <laughs> Whatever they were bad at is what I would do. And, uh, and so if they were bad at grappling, I would take them down and, and do that. And then I would use, I just use the grappling to pin them. And then I would use go back to the weapon because the idea is I'm trying to stay as real as possible. It's not a sport in my mind. You know what I mean? As, as a training thing for myself. And, uh, um, but you know, there's some weird stuff. Um, let me think. There was some weird things that happened there. Um, oh, there was a, there was a huge guy there. Okay. He was huge. He was a big guy and people were scared of him. He was kind of a big, intimidating guy, and they were a little hesitant to see to get close to him. And he was dominating them on a on a mental level. Yep. And so I'm watching him, and I'm like, his stuff looked kind of like uh, his moves looked kind of basic. So he wasn't like a super high skill level. There was an intimidation component. His size, he was beating them. And so what I did was, oh. So, so we're, we've got our weapons and we're standing there. And when, when we went to start, I went like this. I held the weapon out like this. I went out like this, kind of put it out like this. So I get attention and I went like this and just let go of it and let the weapon drop. And I followed it with my eyes. And what happened was I got him to follow it with his eyes all the way to the ground. I just got him started. It's a, it's a, it's a hypnosis trick or a, a sleight of hand. It's a magician's sleight of hand trick. I locked eyes with him and I got him to lock on the weapon and follow the weapon all the way. So I dropped my weapon, which is crazy. To drop your weapon's nuts. So the fact that it was a crazy thing and I got him to fixate on it, watch it all the way to the floor, I was able to close the distance on him, pounce on him, punch and kick him and knee him and, and like maul him like a Muay Thai guy. And then I hit him with a shoulder throw 
and I landed on him as hard as I could. And then I, I tied him up with a hold where I had his arm over his mouth where he couldn't breathe. And then I growled at him in his ear. <laughs> and so when they separated us and we pick up our weapons, he ran in circles. He wouldn't come near me. He ran from me. So, so that, that but that's kind of the more open the rules are, I tend to do better the, the less restrictions I have. Yep. Because most people are thinking in a very narrow, like they super learn a distance or a weapon or a thing. And when it gets outside of that, they can't carry the, the lesson over. Yep. Cool. Thank you. Any other, <laughs> any other questions, thoughts, comments? Okay. Well, cool. All right. Uh, next week, we'll be doing an interview with Sheila Bell. And looking forward to that. And thank you, Mark, for all your uh, insights and answers today and great interview. And by the way, um, like I told you before, if you were wanting to get started in our system, uh, Clear Tai Chi Level 1, we have an online version of that. And we have the DVD. And you go to clearmartialarts.com to see about that. And it'll get you started in our system. And um, you'll see that there are skill sets there and there are, there's a section on there for applications as well. Um, and all of that. And then June of each year, first full weekend in June, the clear Tai Chi family gathering for that, you go to Tai Chi gathering.com. So thank you guys and lady and, and, uh, we'll do more next time. Thank you.